Hi there, my name is Alex Faust, and you're listening to Conversations at the Edge. Each week, we meet with the top business thought leader to learn what they think we should be prioritizing to build better businesses, positively impact our communities, and scale up. Good afternoon, good morning, good night, depending on what part of the world you are joining us from. I'm Alex Faust, your host of Conversations at the Edge. And today, I'm very, very excited uh, to have kind of a different format today where we have two special guests. We have Alexander McCobin, CEO of Conscious Capitalism and an actual conscious capitalist who is using uh, these tools to run his business, Brian Schultz. So let me do a quick introduction of both of them. Alexander McCobin has been the CEO of Conscious Capitalism, Inc. since 2017 and serving uh, before that as co-CEO in 2016. And now I want to introduce a conscious capitalist uh, in action, Brian Schultz. He is uh, a Conscious Capitalism, Inc. board member, founder of Movie Studio Grill, or excuse me, Studio Movie Grill, and now CEO of Look Cinemas. Brian and Alexander, welcome. Uh, where are you calling in from today? Uh, I'm from Dallas, Texas. Awesome. And I'm in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania right now. Let's jump into it, Alex. Uh, I want to start with you, and I'd love to start with kind of the basics. You know, what is conscious capitalism and what is this movement all about? Conscious capitalism is a few things. It's a philosophy of business and capitalism that emphasizes the human nature of these endeavors, how it's fundamentally about people helping other people thrive in life and the connection between doing well and doing good as a result of that. And we'll get into more specifics as to what that means later on. But it is, as you said, also a movement of business leaders around the world who are committed to conscious capitalist principles and are there to support one another, collaborate, and amplify their stories to the world to inspire more people to adopt this approach to business and to understand the role of business as a force for good, especially built on these principles. And lastly, we're an organization that supports this activity at Conscious Capitalism, Inc., providing opportunities for business leaders to connect with each other, develop ideas and stories, and help amplify this to the world. If you can maybe share you know, some of the misconceptions that people might have about Conscious Capitalism, I think it's a term that gets thrown around a lot, but um, people might not totally understand what it's all about. I really appreciate that because you're right. There are a lot of misunderstandings about conscious capitalism out there. Uh, just a few, because we don't have enough time to go through all of them, is that some people think conscious capitalism means profit is bad or that you need to take a cut on financial performance in order to do, do good in the world. And conscious capitalism is the exact opposite. Profit's a great thing. It is critical for a business to run and empowers a business to do more. But it's a means to serve a higher purpose of the business. And it's just understanding that relationship instead of saying profit's bad. And actually, conscious capitalism is a better way of running a business. It leads to better financial performance. So the premise is not sacrifice revenue or profit to do good. It's that this will actually lead to more revenue, better profit in conjunction with a sound business strategy than not having conscious principles. The other misconception I want to put out there that is pretty common is that conscious capitalism is very similar to corporate social responsibility, when actually they're very different concepts. 
CSR is the idea that businesses need to give back to society for the harm they've done or all the benefits that they've accrued from society and that they write checks or they have some division of the company that takes care of that for them at the end of the day. Conscious capitalism says we shouldn't need corporate social responsibility or a separate department in businesses with this, that businesses shouldn't need to give back at the end of the day to society because it should be creating so much value for everyone they, that a business touches, as well as the community, the environment, all of its stakeholders. So that the whole act of production and service in the day-to-day -day operations of the business is giving back to the world already. And this is infused into the DNA and everything that a company does. So there's a lot more that we could get into, but those are two of the most common misconceptions that I appreciate you letting me clear up from the outset. So can you talk a little bit about what are the four pillars that make, a, make up a conscious business? This is a way of really explaining what it means to lean into the human nature of capitalism and business. The first pillar is a higher purpose. As I mentioned before, it's not that profit is a bad thing, but for too long, people have said that the purpose of business is to maximize profit. When profit's really a means to accomplish something greater, some other value that you put out in the world. For some businesses, it's their product, like if they want to create sustainable energy sources for us. For others, it's providing quality livelihoods for their employees, like Grayston Bakery in Yonkers, New York, which says they bake brownies to hire people. And for others, it's to have some kind of positive impact in their communities. And it varies company by company, but that purpose drives everything else that the company does. The second pillar is stakeholder orientation. Now, similar to the first tenets, there, for a long time, people have said that the purpose of business is to serve shareholders and that all other stakeholders like employees, customers, vendors, the community are means to serve providing financial returns to shareholders and have, and that creates this fixed pie view of the world that in order to benefit one group like shareholders, you have to take from others, that there's a certain finite amount of value out there to divvy up. Stakeholder orientation instead says that all of these stakeholders are interconnected with each other and that we need to find ways to create win-win-win solutions where every stakeholder group benefits from decisions that are made because that is possible and that leads to a better business than having that fixed view of the world. The third pillar is conscious leadership then. So in addition to wanting leaders who are very analytically intelligent, be able to make critical decisions, we want leaders who also have emotional intelligence, understanding themselves and others and how to connect with people effectively that way, as well as then spiritual intelligence, really understanding the moral dimensions of business and the need to embody the values of a company, and then systems intelligence, how to apply that, not just on one or three person conversations like this, but to 300, 3,000, 30,000 people, all the stakeholders a company impacts. And even starting to bring in concepts that may sound woo-woo to some people, but are important in business, like love, care, and empathy. And the fourth pillar then is of conscious cultures, which is really about creating an environment where people can bring their authentic selves to work, as well as leave work as better human beings because of being a part of that company, instead of feeling beaten down or like they're not able to really be who they are or feel, or feel like they're human beings when they're at work.
And does, does the community have any like standards among purpose? So how is it determined like what is and what is not elevating humanity? I think especially in today's environment, that can be, that can be pretty tricky. This, this is something that we talk about and debate a lot. And the answer is there is no official standard for what is uh, uh, elevating humanity or higher purpose with this. What the way that one of our CEOs, Nancy Pausch from Vision IT puts it that I think embodies this perfectly is that conscious capitalists are a community of like valued, if not like minded leaders, meaning that Conscious capitalism provides a set of values, these pillars to run a business on and different businesses are going to embody them in different ways. And they can even be in the same industry, very similar business strategies and have different practices and operations for how they're living that out, what their purpose is and how they fulfill it. But they can still be conscious capitalists at the same time because they're making decisions based on these values and they're committed to these principles. So. For conscious capitalism, it's much more about what drives decision-making rationale and the values that are held than a certain checklist of things for companies to do at the end of the day or fitting a certain paradigm of what to do. Yeah, I was going to add yeah. on it just a, a little bit. I haven't seen many successful examples where the uh, uh, leaders uh, weren't kind of pushing the charge. Uh, rarely... Uh, were conscious capitalist companies where it came from the, the bottom, the leaders actually embodied it and brought it together throughout the organization and lived it in every decision uh, versus doing a seminar or one-time you know, shot teaching it. It just got embodied in every decision, every meeting, every concept. And what type of work does a leader need to do to really embody that level of consciousness um, and can it be done if it's, say, you know, other people on the executive team without necessarily the CEO or the founder kind of pushing the charge? How would you kind of manage the conscious leadership? I would start by saying it's a journey that you never uh, get to the end of the path with. Hopefully you're continuing to evolve. If you don't have a learner's mindset and you're not working on your own um, uh, issues, judgment and consciousness, it makes it really difficult. And the most successful cases, the uh, top leader usually embodies these principles and goes on a journey of self-reflection um, and some sort of enlightenment um, and brings it back to the organization. Although some of them have come more organically in the, the core purpose or legacy uh, pull over it. I, I think that's absolutely right. And would just build on that it is so invaluable and necessary to have the CEO, the, the person at the top, bought into these principles to really infuse it in the organization. But it's, that's not enough. We, you need other leaders in the company to understand and embrace this as well. It's something that we hear from so many conscious capitalist CEOs that are looking for support for the rest of their C-suite and then support for how they get their employees and everyone else in the organization bought into it because you also need the, the conscious culture side of this too. So everyone needs to be a part of this. And you know, from another perspective, I'll just say for people who are listening that aren't the CEO and want to start pushing on this, you absolutely can start to be a conscious capitalist champion and to drive change in the organization before the CEO is bought in. You just need that one champion to get it started. There are certain uh, like personality traits or people that you're looking for 
when you're hiring inside a, a, cop, a conscious capitalist business um, to ensure that you know they are aligned with these four values and pillars as well. <laughs> but I, I'm I was surprised that uh, <laughs> there's as many varying personalities that embrace these principles. Uh, as exist in the the world, if you can think about some of these concepts as an operating system almost, um, where you make decisions a certain way, you actually contemplate the impact on all stakeholders, I think that that's what gets you started. So if you think about it as an operating system, it seeps in, and then you become a more conscious leader, and it pushes you to want to learn more about it and embrace it even further. Uh, what has been or is the most difficult aspect of running a conscious business? I, I can't imagine it's all uh, rainbows and butterflies. So I'd love to hear, you know, the difficulties as well. Well, I mean, we, we all have bankers, we all have lawyers, and uh, generally there's some different mindsets. So you might go into a meeting or you might have um, uh, people with much more of a um, binary mindset going and say, hey, why would we be creating value for a competitor? And to explain that over time is a difficult concept to get your arms around. This win-lose has really been burnt into uh, our society. And it doesn't have to be that way. Matter of fact, it's not the best way um, from a profitability standpoint to approach business. From Conscious Capital's Mink side, the what we encounter most often is new companies saying these Principles sound great in the abstract, but what does it look like in practice? How do we actually implement this? Because it isn't a checklist and it requires that leaders really take responsibility for thinking through what they do. So it's important for us as an organization and movement to showcase examples and best practices from other businesses, which is what we emphasize to make it really tangible and for leaders to say, that looks like something we can and want to implement in our company. And that that other practice may not be feasible. But the big thing I would recommend is to not feel like you have to make it up from scratch or that you're doing it on your own. There are other great conscious capitalists out there who have been doing this for a while, who have made their own mistakes and figured out the way forward to learn from, like from Brian and others. And that's the value of getting involved in the conscious capitalism community. So, you know, Brian, you mentioned a little bit about what you guys did during COVID. Uh, I'm curious, Alexander, if you've seen other uh, examples of how being a, a conscious capitalist organization kind of played a role in weathering the storm uh, over the, the pandemic and what we're still dealing with today. In so many ways, you know, at the start of the pandemic, the Financial Times ran a headline article that COVID was an acid test for conscious capitalism. They expected all of the businesses who have been talking about principles like higher purpose and stakeholders to jettison them to just to survive and get through. And what we actually found is that our bit, most of our businesses doubled down on these principles to get through and then use it to survive and get to the other side and thrive. And for some of them, that meant taking advantage of opportunities, really leaning into their team and, and committing to finding a way forward with alternative revenue or to invest in their communities and to support their industries, like what Brian said. And for others, admittedly, they still had to make hard choices. Like if you're if you were running a parking business or a, or a restaurant, you probably had to lay people off just because you had no more revenue. 
And conscious capitalism still provided a framework and some best practices for how to make really tough decisions and do things like that in a very conscious way, the most conscious way possible. And, and that's what it's, that's what it's about. Both, both making tough decisions in business. It's not all sunshine and rainbows, like you said, but to do so in a way that respects everyone involved as a human being looks to take care of them as much as possible and move forward as a business that way. I want to know maybe from each of you, if there's one thing that you want the leaders to who are listening and watching live today to know uh, leaving today, what would that be? Conscious capitalism has allowed our company to grow, be extraordinarily profitable in ways that I couldn't imagine um, in any other operating system. So it's by far the most profitable and it's very rewarding as well. And I, I will say that you don't have to do this alone. If you visit Conscious Capitalism's website, you'll learn about opportunities to connect with other conscious capitalists, get support on this journey. And as we're going to be releasing next year, there's going to be a whole course on conscious capitalism with the Growth Institute where you're able to learn more about this and be in community with others. So get involved, learn from what other people are doing and know that you've got many other people in your corner to help you on this journey. Thanks for listening to Conversations at the Edge. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, please share it with a friend or a teammate who you think would benefit from what we covered. In addition, you can find us on LinkedIn to get all of the updates, or if you'd like to hear the full conversation, just visit growthinstitute.com forward slash the edge to learn how you can become a member as well. Thanks again, and see you next time.